Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support for GigPod is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off plus free delivery with the code GIGPOD at manscaped.com. Hi there, and thanks very much for tuning in to the latest episode of the Glasgow's Green Podcast, a.k.a. GIGPOD. It's episode 41, and I'm Stevie, where today... We will be paying tribute to a legend who passed away on Friday. A man who was loved by the nation and his spirit will live on, even in death. I refer, of course, to one Errol DMX Simmons. Thank you for your service. Rizzo, have you pulled one out for the big one? Or rather, have you burned one for him? Eh, uh, he was quite good, yes. That's all we'll say. Wow, what a fat tribute that is! I, still, I, I was more of a rap in the, the early 80s. Well, the mid-80s guy, that was the first music I ever listened to. Who is your favourite rapper, though? Oh, uh, the Beastie Boys. It was the first record of a boat. Oh, but did he really count as rap? Aye. Aye, they've always been rap. Ice, Ice Cube as well. I can get behind that. I can get behind Mr Cube at least. Right, fine. We'll move on for there. Fresh from Saturday Night Podcasting on the Big Night In, it's Spunkphone as well. Hello there, Spunkphone. Hello there, Stevie. How, how are you doing? I'm very well. What's it like doing two podcasts in a row? Are you somewhat of, of a professional now? Certainly. I've uh, I've, I've definitely had a, a busy weekend in the podcast in front. Can I just start off and all by saying big congrats to everyone that, that was involved with the big night in. They managed to raise, I think it was four, four grand in the end up for uh, Tiny Changes, which is a, a mental health focused charity. So well done to all the boys involved with that, Dana. Stellar job. Amazing. And it's quite amazing that they managed to raise money with somebody like you on the podcast as well, bringing them down. It's, it's a, an incredible achievement, Spunkphone. I, well, I was only on for 20 minutes, to be fair. It was, uh, it was a four-hour stream they'd done, so I'd imagine, you know, 
most of the donations probably came in after I was off. Yeah, that's what I was only imagine about it, for fuck's sake. Right, look, we're going to get through this one in our usual half-hour slot as quick as we can. So Celtic 6, Livingston 0. That was the score yesterday. I mean, I don't think we really learned much from it. Livingston are indeed a spent force and David Martindale's wee purple patches over. They never came to play football. I thought they got exactly what they deserved. But at the same time, I felt Celtic played very well too. It was good to see James Forrest getting back in the score sheet. David Tumble chipping in with a goal. And our main man, who we'll talk about later, Mohamed El Yunus, is scoring another couple as well. If we can carry that type of performance into next weekend, it would be ideal, wouldn't it? It would, but you just don't know what Celtic are going to be like for one game of the next. Now. I mean, it's probably our best performance of the season that, uh, yesterday. And of course, it's came when like the game doesn't really mean much. Like... There wasn't even any games on live on Sky this weekend for the Premier League. That sort of says it all, but the importance of the games. But no, I thought it was a good performance. Certainly having Forrest back has been a massive boost to his. Was it, he, scored, he started the last game when he started this one. He scored in both of them. He did suffer that back injury uh, yesterday and he got took off, which is a worry. I think he'll be a big player for next week, especially. We'll, we'll maybe talk about that later, but... If he's available, I'd actually be pretty sure we'd be able to get a good result in the game at Ibrox. But if we don't have him in the team, then I don't know, I'd be concerned. But no, it was a good performance. The attack played well. Ilyanusi played well. And Eddie was decent as well. But Forrest really was excellent. And I just hope that he's going to be fit for next week. Jacob, that one spunk for me about Johnson regarding Forrest and how important he's been for us and how much of a big miss that he's been this season as well. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I actually, I, I saw very little of the game yesterday. To be honest, all of the other opportunity to see was was the goals. But no, it was it was good to see him back in the side scoring. Obviously, it's a bit of a concern he's he's went off because I think he has been a, a big miss this season, and it'd be a big miss next week as well if um, if he does miss out. But um, no, I just just echo what what John said said there. I suppose you'd be much more confident going to Ibrox next week if you had him in the side. Yeah, and we'll touch on the game at Ibrox very soon. But before that, Mohamed El Yunusi gets two more goals for the season, taking his total to sixteen. I believe. I think he's three goals shy of his career best total, which was nineteen and forty-one games from Molda in twenty fifteen. So I've raved about Mohamed El Yunusi all campaign. Spunk phone, you know as well how much I've said getting him in permanently would be amazing for us. But I've also been reading that Southampton may very well see him as a ready-made replacement for Daniel Ings, who has been linked with a move away from them. Do you think we're going to be in a situation where this is going to be another Bellamy or Fraser Foster, where we're falling in love with a player who's on loan, but he's very likely to put himself first? Or could it be a Samara scenario? What do you reckon there, John? Unfortunately, I think he'll probably uh, leave at the end of the season. At first, I actually thought we might have a good chance of saving permanently, but when that stuff that came out in midweek about Southampton want to give him a chance next season, I fear that he might fall into the, as you say, Foster and Bellamy category. And I know you're a big fan, and I like him as well, but I, I'm still not sure if it'd be worth the money that Southampton would want, even if they were selling him, because... Even though I do rate him, I think there's still games where he just like, doesn't show at all. And I don't think he's, even though he scored, was it 16 goals this season? I don't know, for me, he's still no consistent every single game. And he is a good player and I like him, but I, I think that he'll probably want to try and have another goal in uh, the Premier League down in England because he's tried it before and he didn't really get in the team with Southampton, but with the report in the mid- midweek that he's going to be given a chance, I think he'll probably 
he'll think that playing for Southampton in probably mid-table Premiership games is more interesting than playing for a Celtic team that's not going to be in the Champions League and is going to be like in the middle of a rebuild. So I do like him. I don't know if he's like worth what Southampton would want for him, but I think that'll be a moot point in the end because I reckon he'll go back down south. First and foremost, I, I would love to have him back next season. I think he is a, a very high-quality footballer. I, I'm kind of in the same camp as, as John, I think. The likelihood of him coming back next season with each sort of passing week and, and good performance, I think it actually gets less and less likely. I think he, he probably will fancy his chances of, of going back down to Southampton, giving it another go to try to break into their side. And even if he can't break in there, as I say, as a, a, a quality football player, so even if he had to go elsewhere, I, I think he could play in any of the, the sort of big European leagues as well. So I'd I'd love to see him back, but um I'm not so sure if it will be the will be the case. Sorry to burst your bubble there, Stevie. We all know my thoughts on the profit indeed, and I'd honestly love to see him at Celtic on a permanent basis. But that is the risk you take with these loan deals. I mean we've seen it all before and about how before they recovered, how much your fans mark out for these players that are on loan. And at the end of the day, you have got a very limited sort of shelf life as a footballer, especially at your peak in El Yunusi. <laughs> He's definitely right to be putting himself first. He's done a job for Celtic. Celtic have gave him a platform as well, and it's all about what he does. But in what has been a truly turgid season, He's been such a bright spot for us. But John, see, before I move on, I'm just wanting to elaborate more on what games do you know think that El Yunusi's done the business in this season? He's, uh, first two games against Rangers, he didn't really turn up. Well, he was on the bench for one of them. He still didn't do much when he came on. He had that chance in the first game against him this season, which he really should have scored. Who knows, that could have made a big difference in that game. I'm listening, I don't like him because I do, but I just don't think he's as fantastic as... Uh, you make it and uh, Southampton maybe wanting like something like, it, like six million or something. I mean, they paid well, they paid 16 million for him. Oh, well, what would they be wanting then? Like, if they wanted to say, I'm like 10 or something, I've seen quoted for five million, but I've also seen like 12 million quoted. I guess none of you really know until Southampton come out and make that public, though. He's no worth 10 million, no way. And... As I said before, I like him, and I wouldn't like. I'd be happy if he stayed, but I mean, I think Celtic are going to have a lot of other areas of the park going to fix in uh, in the summer. So I don't know. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, and next week he'll absolutely demolish Rangers. He'll win the game. He's he's capable. He's I mean, he's that talented. But I don't know. But I think we should maybe just enjoy these last few games. Just go to Celtic Park. But that's the thing as well. You know, if he does the business, say, and puts Rangers out the cup and then does the same and ends an unbeaten record in the league, then as good as that is for us, Southampton will even take more notice of that, won't they? And go, hmm, there's no chance that you're getting him next season. And they'll, they'll have him down as that replacement for things that we've already talked about. When you're saying he's moving over 10 million, John, I don't know. When They're always talking about how goals in Europe are a big thing. And he scored in the Champions League qualifiers, as we, as we know. But the goals against AC Milan as well, and then two away to Lille, who are a shoo-in for the French title now. It's no mean feat. I would say £10 million is a fair price for him. But, I mean, Selic only in the market up in the new for playing £10 million for a player. I know we signed Eddie for £9 million, but that was before COVID. That was when Brendan was still the manager. That was when we were going to have a chance to win the Champions League. I just think that with a rebuild that's going to have to happen in the summer, 
we're better off putting our resources in other areas of the pitch, and we can like talk about that and look during the summer at the end of the season about how we need to rebuild. But as I said, I like him, but I don't know if he's that fantastic as you make it. We've disagreed in players before, and I think that's another one. Speaking about the manager situation now, the latest in Edward Howe. Now, Gig Pod had a chat too with uh, the AFC Bournemouth podcast back in the net. It was received very well, and we were convinced that he was going to be announced imminently. But that has exploded in our faces spectacularly. As now it seems like Howe is weighing up all his options and is nowhere near close to a deal with the club as the papers had claimed. Now, amazingly enough, I thought the record in the sun only told the truth, John. So I'm going to need a minute here to, <laughs> to why I process the fact that they have duped us all. But when the hell are we going to have any idea of when the announcement is going to be of the new manager? Will it be... After the season now, is it going to be a couple of games before the end of the season? I mean, Smallphone, what do you think? Well, I, I think my first point here probably is the fact that we both know there is only one news source that you can always put trust in, and that is Scott Spunk Sport. And in all seriousness, I, I think in the manager front, obviously I think the situation's changed in the, the past uh, past week or so quite a bit. I think if it is still going to be how... I reckon he will probably be announced before the end of the season, whether it's you know towards the very end of it or not. I, I don't know. I think if it's going to be someone else, which you know there, there is still a possibility of, um, then I can probably see that happening after the the season's finished. I don't know what your guys thinking is on that. I'm not actually sure because it was interesting. I didn't see the Celtic TV stuff yesterday, but apparently they were talking about him before the game. And, I mean, I don't think that's done by accident. I mean, Celtic TV as like, the in-house club stuff. They wouldn't, they say, discuss like, Eddie Howe for, like, 10 minutes, like, for no reason. So, I mean, I think that he probably will still be the manager. That stuff about, like, no taking over till anywhere until the end of the season, like, how he's still going to take a year out. I mean, I don't know if Celtic expected that, I know, but, I mean, they probably would have because I don't think Howe wanted to take over the last couple of games of the season and I don't blame him because he's going to hide it in nothing really I mean if we didn't win against Rangers or if he lost a couple of games he'd be put on the sale under big pressure for next season so I would think he's still going to be the manager if that's who we want but I don't know that director of football thing could be a bit of a, a worry and I like well, him wanting to bring Richard Hughes to the club and Celtic supposedly are in favour of Fergal Harkin but the fact that it was even like leaked to the press that were talking to him, I mean that that was obviously must have been deliberate. Like if it was him or Celtic had done that to let it know that talks were happening. Look, we didn't do that with like all the speculation of who was going to take over for like for Lennon when Lennon was still the caretaker two years ago. We didn't like say we're having talks with this guy or that guy. It was always just like unknown. I don't even know if Lennon knew he was getting the job until that fateful conversation in the showers at Hamden Park with Peter Hallwell. It's obviously that I think they want how, and I think it'll probably still be how, but I'm not actually sure when we'll announce it. I mean, I suppose like the season ticket sales are going to have to be a concern as well, because I don't blame people for buying season tickets, in fact, good on them in these circumstances, but you couldn't blame people for like holding off to see what's happening, not just to see if fans are back, but to see who's going to be the manager. So I think there'll have to be an announcement soon. And I would expect that it's how, but you can't tell with Celtic. Sticking with the manager situation now, what is your shit opinion on the talk about Lucy and Fav? Because I personally think it's utter nonsense. We're more likely 
to get Edward Howe in. I think Lucien Favre is a complete pipe dream. Do you share that opinion too? Yes, I think he'd be a brilliant manager for us, but I think he's just sort of like maybe floating his name about in the papers for a new job. And I don't even know really if he'd be interested in Celtic or if it's just like a return to football completely like for him. But I mean, if I had to pick between him and Eddie Howe, I'd pick Lucien Favre because I think he's an excellent manager, but I just can't see that happening. And I no, it's that that really just strikes me as something that won't happen. It's just like a paper talk. A week ago today, there was a well, a lot of people were saying it was a fixer, as we say in the business, John, a work where <laughs> Rangers got the home draw against Celtic. The old heated balls part was used and everything. And if you do believe in the conspiracies, fair play to you. However, Rangers and Celtic drew each other on the cup with the game taking place at Ibrox next Saturday at four. Now, John, we were speaking to each other when it was announced last week. Personally, if you're going to be playing Rangers at some point, you always expect to be playing them in the final or something if you're going to get there. So, you know, the earlier you can play them uh, and it can make it a less stressful route to the final, then great. But... I don't think when either of us were talking, we were that stressed out about it. Although, you could have changed your tune on that. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Um, I'm not sure, really. I mean, I think we're capable of winning at Ibrox. And we've showed in the last two games against them that we're capable of beating them. But the thing is, we didn't beat them in any of their games. The first one at Ibrox, I know that Lenny and that talked about how it was this fantastic performance. And we did play well for the first 45, 50 minutes. But we stopped really creating chance, like creating real chances after like 25 minutes that McGregor save was the last real chance and we should have beat them uh, last month at Celtic Park we missed a load of good chances so no I mean I don't know for some reason I think I'd rather have played them in the final because I think it would have been better to beat them in a the final but and it, like, if we do lose next week which hopefully obviously I hope we don't and I think we probably could win that would be like the end of the season completely would have no important games left at all, and there'll be like weeks where there's no games at all. I mean, that's not really what Celtic are wanting now to keep fan interest because I think fan interest is like really wavering now. And if we do lose next week, it'll go completely f- through the floor. People will not be interested at all, I don't, even in the last game, Ibrox in the league against them. So it's a big game for big game for John Kennedy, really, because I've seen him getting some plaudits. After yesterday, and it was a good performance, but I mean, it has to sort of iron out the problems that the team have had all season, especially getting away stupid goals at set pieces, which of course we did in the last game against them. I'm confident we can win, but we'll need to make sure we cut out our mistakes, and we've got, but we've got the players to do it. And if James Forrest is fit, which I hope he is, then I'd say we've got a sort of sixty forty chance of winning. If he's not fit, I'd say it's probably forty sixty in favour of them. Is all the pressure going to be on us or Rangers ahead of that match? I think in, in these games, I suppose, there's always going to be pressure on on both teams. Um, I know they obviously went out the cup to the League Cup to, to St Mirren, so it's not as if they're going for a, a treble or anything, but you know, they'll, they'll want to go and win the, the double this season. Um, and for us, obviously, we don't want to have our first trophyless season since what Mowbray was here, so there'll be pressure on, on both teams. I'd, I'd agree with everything that, that John said there as well in terms of, you know, I think we are opening ourselves up to get slaughtered here if it pans out differently, but I, I think in the last two games against them, they've not been overly impressive, but I still think we've clearly came up with a game plan to play against them. So I'm fairly confident that 
if we do that and turn up on the day that, that we can get a result at Ibrox and, and as John said as well, if James Forrest is fit, then I'd be I'd be confident in going there. John, when we were we actually met each other in real life yesterday. <laughs> One for the audience. We met each other for five memorable minutes and we were talking about the last time we played uh, Rangers at Ibrox in a cup and it was indeed 10 years ago or over 10 years ago now in the famous Bruni game, wasn't it? And that was the one that was Rangers 2, Celtic 2. Um, it's mad to think that, well, we've obviously played them in the cup since that because there's been numerous Scottish Cup meetings with them, but that was the last one at Ibrox. We'll obviously go into that a wee bit more because we're going to be doing a podcast during the week on memorable cup games against Rangers and everything as well. But I mean, John, I think when we when my reaction was, I was going to say it was joyous, but I wasn't dreading it either. I just thought, sorry, this was about when we uh, when we get announced we were playing Rangers. Not when I met you, obviously, that was just elation. <laughs> but thank you, brother. <laughs> you're welcome. No, I, I mean. I honestly don't think we've got anything to fear. Certainly going by the last two games against them. I don't think we go into the game arrogant and complacent because we've beat Livingston and because the last two performances against them have been encouraging as well. But at the same time, I honestly don't think this Rangers team are anything special to write home about, despite what their record is on paper. And yes, they're unbeaten. Uh, yes, they got further in Europe than, than we did, but I honestly just don't fear them. Uh, um, and I think if we've got El Yunusi on form, we've got Forrest in form, and it's, it's it's a game for guys like you know Edward as well, John, he'll want to go out in the high. Bruno will want to go out in the high. And you could only hope that our big-time players see this as you know, their last chance and the last shot about getting one over them. And that's what I'm clinging to anyway. And I think they'll put it right. This, I, I really do. I think they'll put it right next Saturday. Aye, this is like a sort of last hurrah for this team, like if we won the cup, because this team is going to get broken up at the end of the season. Like, what did they know that Bruni's away, who's been like the leader of the team for the last 10 years? So, like, he's away, he'll be a big miss. Eddie, I'd imagine, will be away. Ayer, who knows? Ilanusi, who knows? Probably doubts about both of them. Ryan Christie, I wouldn't be shocked if he left. Even somebody like Lee Griffiths, who I know isn't a fan's favourite. I think he'll probably win his bout. But he did play well in that visit to Ibrox at the start of the year. A game which we could have won. The players owe the fans this season. We've said it before. We'll say it and we'll say it again. The fans have really, with the thinking of the money they put in this season, they don't even get to Parkhead. The title really should have been defended better. And everybody at Celtic owes the fans this season. All right, we played better against Rangers last month and in January, but we still didn't win any games. And it's about time that they put things right and gave the fans something to be proud of supporting Celtic this season because we've no had it. All right, we won the Scottish Cup going back to last season, but we won it in penalties against Hearts. Come on. If Celtic wanted to put down a marker for next season, a win next Saturday would be it. Okay, the team might look different next season. But I would put doubts in Rangers' minds, I think, if we went there and won. I mean, they'll probably still be the favourites for the game because uh, I know the f- no fans don't matter, but it's the Ibrox they have the lowest there this season in the league. So, I don't know, it would just bring something back to Celtic for this season. This season's been a complete write-off. And if Celtic want to give something back to the fans for all of had to put up with, then a win next Saturday data. I think John C when you were saying the amount of players that are away, I don't know. I mean I was certainly laughing, I'm sure Spunkform was, but the amount of announcements we are going to have today on the account when all these players leave, there's Edward away, there's Christie away, <laughs> there's Ayer away. 
<laughs> I, just hope, I just hope there's a lot of birthdays in this summer anyway. It was announced yesterday that the governing body has opened talks over a potential switch for all of Saturday's fourth round ties following a certain death of an individual. John, you lambasted me before this podcast. You said not to bring up certain things, not to make certain jokes. I'm not going to do it. Thank I'm going you. to respect that. This man's funeral will indeed be held on Saturday, April the 17th at 3pm, clashing with all six fixtures that day. Down south, the English Football League have confirmed that all games scheduled to kick off at that time will be shifted. Spunk form, we really haven't get the... We, we can't do that up here. I mean, there's surely no way that it's going to get moved to a different day. I mean, a different time perhaps, but the game can't get moved to another day, surely. I, I think the suggestion of that is ludicrous, to be honest. Um, I'd, I'd, I'm saying I can get it. I, I suppose I can to an extent. The games that are kicking off in England at 3pm, moving them back, I, I can understand it to an extent. Well, it's a 4pm kickoff as well. Um, I mean, unless Premier Sports are planning and showing the funeral, then I don't see a point in moving it. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine he did. Imagine. <laughs> Eleven ninety nine a month to watch. It. I know. Analysis and all that on the fucking lineup <laughs> and the formation down at Windsor. But yeah, John, why well, just move on for this part because you're going to have an aneurysm, aren't you? With the more I talk about it. No, I just say that I think it probably will get moved because I don't think there'll be any sport played next Saturday. Is that the way you go? Probably no, but that's just the way things happen in the UK, and I think they'll we'll probably play them. Next Sunday, I would imagine, at lunchtime, because there's other games maybe on live that day. So I think we'll maybe play them next Sunday at lunchtime. Well, because Aberdeen play Livingston as well, and that's meant to be at 2 o'clock, isn't it? So moving it back 24 hours would leave space, but... But it doesn't really matter, though, because there's no fans. So, I mean, like... There's viewing figures, but in Premier Sports would probably be up in arms about stuff like that as well. But it was a weird kickoff time in the first place because like an FA Cup semi final that was meant to be played like an hour later as well, like Chelsea Man City. So it was like four o'clock on the Saturday was an odd kickoff time in the first place. But there you go. Finally, Patrick Clamalla's Celtic Hell looks like it could be over with there being serious speculation he's going to be going to USA. NY Red Bulls are currently interested in him. Would you guys like to see Clamalla under a new manager, or do you think it would be best for him to move on with Celtic getting some sort of fee for him and Clamalla getting a clean slate elsewhere again? John, what's your opinion there? I think I've seen it reported as a loan move, is that right? Uh, for what I was reading, it was, uh, permanent. it was a fee involved, that's a permanent deal involved, yeah? Hmm, you can't really judge any player this season because of the complete catastrophe. I actually don't mind him, I feel a bit sorry for him. I always remember that goal that scored up at St. Johnson. When we had a smash and grab 2-0-1. Like he got fouled, but he got back on his feet and held the guy off and absolutely rammed the ball into the net. But, I mean, I, I don't think he's really recovered for that first game of the season against Rangers, where he really... Sh- I know with injuries, but it really wasn't fair in him having to sort of play up front his cell. That was just doomed to failure. So, I mean, if he was to leave, I'd rather he left him alone like, to see how he fares like, abroad. And if he does well, bring him back. I mean, I'd... I can't believe I'm saying this, but even somebody like Jack Henry, who was wrote off as a joke, like who once turned in a circle at Fur Hill, a moment I'll never forget. <laughs> one of the worst, one of the worst I think I've ever seen. But I'd give him a chance next season. I mean, I don't know if we can because the way that deal's set up, but I'd give him a chance. I mean, it's a clean slate for everybody. And if Clamalla was to leave, I'd hope it's on loan so that he gets a chance to have another go at his career game at least. 
a season under a different manager because you can't tell what happened because of how Lenny made a complete mess of it. Right, you're saying Jack Henry to be brought back. What about Bowley? Would you be giving him another shot? If he apologises after that, <laughs> after that, making a mess at the start of the season, aye. No, but he's just, don't forget he was one of the skateboards, and no, it's probably probably too late for him. As a man who respects Paul, I would bring Bolly back and play him. First <laughs> choice, I really would. Spunk phone, you're definitely on that boat, admit it. I'd, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, I think at this point we should just go down the partner route, to be honest. So, getting back, first choice next season, brilliant. <laughs> no, but um, Spunk phone in terms of Klamala as well. Look at him, he's 23 years of age. His stats are not the greatest when you look at that, but you can't judge a player on it, especially as John says, this has been a catastrophe of a season three goals in 16 games you know to the outside person looking in not having a clue what's happened at Celtic this season they'll be looking at that going when they touch him but I think Clamalla is suited to a team that's sitting and hitting the counter-attack that's not what Celtic do Celtic have a lot of the ball <laughs> they're not the most direct a team shall we say would you give Clamalla another chance so to put that right maybe under a different manager or do you think it's best that he moves on eh uh, I like to see him under a new manager to be honest um, I, I don't know whether they would end up fancying him or anything like that but but certainly I'd like him to at least you know watch him in pre-season and, and sort of make their judgement from there rather than the club doing anything beforehand I'd, I think he's he's got the makings of a decent player I mean he looked good at the start of this season um, he'd obviously came back for the break and he seemed to have bulked up quite a bit and and um, Obviously, came off the bench to score a couple of goals at points as well. I've been perplexed, to be honest, at, at, at how limited the opportunities seem to have been for him and Ayeti, um, given that a, a certain striker at the club is featured almost week in, week out over the course of this season, despite his, his off-field antics. But no, I, I think um, I, I certainly wouldn't be in a, a rush to get Clamal out the door like I would be with maybe some other players. I, I think I'd give him you know, at least a pre-season under a new manager. Let them have a look at him and, and take it for there. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I personally would like to see Clamalla given a final chance. I know that under Neil Lennon and John Kennedy, it's not worked out so far, but I don't think you can pin that all on him. I think it's the style we play. It doesn't suit him. The majority, if you look at the majority of his goals, certainly with the YouTube compilations that me and you have attacked Spunk Phone, all of them are just like on the counter. Um, and if that is the type of play that suits him, fine. Can I see Celtic being that type of team? No. Have I been crying out for us to play like that? Even if it's against your St. Johnson's or in Europe, sitting in and hitting quickly in the break and picking teams off? Yes. So we shall see. But I certainly wouldn't be writing off Clamalla yet. I think his attitude is top notch. When it comes to getting rid of strikers in the summer, there's definitely one that I would be choosing way, way, way before him. So hopefully he is given another chance. But... Here we have it then, it's GigPod episode 41 you've got to the end. I'm Stevie and we are going out with a DMX tune as it's well known on here though that Rizzo, who gets the last word, is going to give it to you. But before that, Spunkphone, thanks for coming on and please review your new mic courtesy of the great guys at GigPod. Aye, well, well thanks for having me on once again. Pleasure chatting with the, the both of you. Obviously with a few few technical issues getting set up with the new mic, um, but no, I, I think um, I, I don't imagine the listeners enjoy hearing necessarily the, the sound of my voice, but I'm sure they can appreciate that it's now being brought to them in significantly higher audio quality than before. So, thanks very much to your good selves for hooking me up with this new mic. We truly are one of the greats. You're very welcome. 
Rizzo, I'll let you have the final word. Right, thanks to everybody for listening as always. Thanks to Spunkphone for guesting. We'll be back uh, later this week with a Scottish Cup Games against Rangers special. And thanks to everybody for listening and hail hail. Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.